All right. How many of you like to fish? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. How many of you are old enough to remember Bill Dance and his fishing show? Now, the bloopers were the best part of that. But Bill Dance, I was reading the other day, Bill Dance says there are two, two very important things you need to know about fishing. Number one, don't tell everything you know. That, that's it. That's... Some of you are getting there, okay. Um, <clears throat> when I read that, I thought, a lot of the people in this world think that's what Jesus did. Or they think God left the world that way, but he didn't. In fact, just the opposite, he gave us everything we need to know. We talked last week in 1 Corinthians 2, we talked about, he said, hey, you get to choose. Do you want eternal life? Yes, I'll take eternal life, I'll take safety, I'll take security, I'll take the Holy Spirit. I will choose all these things because they are a free gift that God has given to each one of us. That's that's an incredible thing. Nothing is hidden. Well, there's 4,000 gods. How do I know which one's the right one? Why don't you look for the one that raised from the dead? That might be a clue. All of history revolves around Jesus. The date revolves around Jesus. I had a funeral Friday night. I wasn't sure what I was gonna say and I got up and my opening line was, the answer to your question is Jesus. You maybe haven't asked the right question yet, but the answer is Jesus. And so everything you and I would ever need about heaven and hell, about life, about family, about marriage, about money, God put it all in one little book that being real, the slowest reader in this room could read in two months. And yet, so often we don't read it. We don't know what's in it, and that's evidenced by what is taught in churches, what's allowed to be taught in churches, and all the, the craziness. And Paul says, and I, I'm not gonna preach the first part of chapter three because Pastor Cord covered that very well in chapter one when he talked about that there are all these factions in the church. People said, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow Peter. And Paul said, who do you think we are? We are but servants. Jesus Christ is the foundation. And then he makes this statement in 1 Corinthians 3.3. He says, aren't you acting like mere men when you divide up the church? Well, you're saying, well, I am. And don't be, it's not sexist, by the way, ladies. The word is anthropomosis, which means it's anthropomosis, anthro, yeah. Anyway, it means, the Greek word means the study of man. Anthropology, there we go. All right, it's the study of mankind. And so he says, aren't you acting like mere men? Well, we are mere men, Paul. What are you talking about? No, you're not mere men. Because last week, we chose to accept Jesus, and we accepted Jesus, we received the Holy Spirit, right? God moved inside of us. So you can't say, well, I'm just a man, I'm just a woman, I'm gonna be tempted, I'm gonna give in to this, I'm gonna give in to, you know. Paul said, you are not mere men. You are men and women who are filled with God himself. And that should cause change. So we pick it up in verse 11, if you'll stand out of respect for God's word. <clears throat> Paul writes, 
For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, and that foundation, what do we build on? Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pause just for a minute. Now pay attention. Not John Calvin, not Martin Luther, not John Wesley, not the head of the Mormon church, not the Pope, not a preacher of some large church. There's only one foundation for the church across the globe. You're either in the church or you're out of the church, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. So if you hear people talking about, now we quote people sometimes, but if you hear people, well, this is what our discipline book says, or this is what this says. No, what does the word of God say? What does Jesus say? Because there is no other foundation if it's the true church. Moving on, here we go. If any man builds on this foundation, and you've got options, <coughs> you can build with good things or bad things. Gold, silver, costly stones, things that will last things that are solid, things that will, will grow, or you can build with wood, hay, and straw, which are worthless and will burn up. But every man's work will be shown for what it is, because the day <clears throat> will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, because God is fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as a one escaping through the flames. That's not how you want to get out. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. But God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Do not be deceived yourselves. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you thinks he's wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. You can be seated. That's the, about the fourth time Paul said the world's wisdom is foolishness and we need to learn to be fools for Christ. But he starts off by saying that judgment day is at hand. And that word is, is capitalized in the middle of that sentence, day, it's got this big capital D, whether you're using a, a paper print or a online or scrolls or whatever, because the translators weren't sure how to emphasize this word, because it's not like a Thursday, it is the day. What is the day? The day is the day of the Lord. It is the day when we all stand before God and we will give judgment did I love Jesus? Did I not love Jesus? Okay, you follow Jesus, you're accepted into the kingdom, the others are cast out into utter darkness and hell. Then there's a second judgment about what we've done with our lives, and that's the questions we're gonna ask today. What are we building on? Gold, silver, are we doing God's things, or on hay and stubble? Well, what do you mean, Joe? Well. So many churches are involved in a lot of things that have nothing to do with God. Church is very busy. We got a meeting for this, the soup for this, and the lunch for that, and, when, and uh, we've got a committee meeting for that. Okay, but what is the purpose of the church? To win souls, to win your neighbor's soul, your friend's soul, the new people that just moved in, your coworker's soul, your boss's soul, uh, to plant new churches so they can reach more souls. That's the gold and silver and the precious stones, all right? That's, that's what we're looking at. But he says, judgment day is coming 
So pay very close attention to what you're doing with your life, what you're actually building. Because if you're not building anything for God or if what you're building is the wrong thing, all that's gonna burn up. Why would you wanna go through your life thinking you're serving God when you could be doing what he really wants you to be doing? Now, Jesus said this, and this is one of those verses that, and I always get in trouble, but it's okay. There are verses I don't like. People say, you can't say that. You can't say you don't like Bible verses. There are a lot of Bible verses I don't like. And I think you'll agree with me on this one. Matthew 12, Jesus said, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Anybody love that verse? (laughs) We're gonna be held accountable for every word we've spoken, every thought we've had, every action we've done, and you still think you're gonna get in because you're a good person? No, that's, that's why Jesus is so important. You now be judged against all of that. So am I good? No, I'm not good. That's why I need Jesus and why I need him so, so desperately because that judgment day is upon us. Now, but remember, Paul knows that he's dealing with very young Christians. These people were worshiping Zeus. They were dealing with sexual prostitutes. They didn't know what marriage was supposed to be. Everything is new to them. They're still putting all this together. And so uh, this, this quote, I think, kind of explains Paul's heart here. He said, your present circumstances don't determine where you go. They just determine where you start. See, some of you are brand new to this. You've got major things to work on. Some of you have been in this 50 years. You've still got major things to work on. But They're different things. But we're all in that process of becoming more like Christ because we don't know when that day is gonna come. But then the meat of this is the second one. When he says, don't you know you're the temple of God's Holy Spirit? Now, I have taught, I've been doing this for, I don't know, 35 years. And I've never said this, but I've heard a lot of other people say it. And honestly, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't realize how wrong they were. How many of you have ever heard a pastor say or another person say, if somebody commits suicide, this verse, if you destroy the temple, God will destroy you, that that's about suicide. How many of you have ever heard that? Yeah. Couldn't be further from the truth. Now, I'm not encouraging you to commit suicide, please. That's, that's not where we're going here. But I do want to give hope where other people have stolen your hope to know that if your family member or friend was a follower of Christ, this is not the unforgivable sin. What would be different than that than if all of a sudden I look up and there's a truck just about to smash into me and the wrong word comes out of my mouth? I didn't have time to repent of that. I didn't have time to change that. Am I gonna go to hell? Everything I've done and believed and all that's gone because I said the wrong thing? You don't understand the blood of Jesus. Okay, Joe, what does it mean? Thank you for asking. So, in this passage, he is not talking to you. Not talking to this you. Because when we started the service, and this was not on purpose, but you heard the announce how many's heard the video announcements she opened the opening statement she said y'all 
She's from Georgia. Now, this is going to be easier for you people in the South. Paul uses the strangest word in this section. He uses the word you, but in a plural form, use. Or, in Southern, y'all. Okay, y'all are the temple of God. Not Joe is the temple of God. We all is the temple of God. And not just Tomoka Christian Church, it's a global thing. And there's people in, in church buildings that aren't part of the temple, and there's people who are outside that are. Not, that, that are. The body of Christ, people who are truly committed to Christ, we have the Spirit of God, and we are all the temple of God. See, in the Old Testament, David wanted to build the temple for God because all the other false gods, they all had temples, right? We've got one for Athena in Athens. We've got one for Zeus. We've got one for Jupiter. We've got all these crazy temples. You remember what God said? I'll tell you. God said, do you really think one of those little temples could contain me? The one who created the heavens and the earth, the whole universe? But nonetheless, David, since you want to do something to honor me, I'll let you collect the stuff. Because you've shed so much blood, you're not going to build it, but you can collect the stuff and your son Solomon can build it. And so we get the temple in Jerusalem. But it was temporary. And it was always meant to be temporary. Because when Jesus came, he said, everyone who repents is baptized. When you come up out of that water, you immediately get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2. You're welcome to look that up. So the temple was never meant to be a building. The temple was meant to be us, but not me. It was meant to be y'all. Now, what does he mean? If you destroy the temple, I will destroy you. What's the temple? Y'all. So it'd be the church. So anybody who hurts the church, God said, I'll hurt them. Now, you're not talking to non-Christians. They're already, they got their own problems. He's talking about people in the church that... Where do you want to go? You want to talk about gossip? You want to talk about sexual sin? You want to talk about stealing money? I mean, where do you want to go? But here's, here's what he's saying. If I do something wrong, it affects all of you. If you do something wrong, it affects the whole body. Because we, y'all, together, are the temple of God. Now, he brings this up again. Now, remember, this is not written as numbers. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. It's a letter. But Paul feels like he has to cover this topic twice. So we'll preach it again later. But in chapter 6, he brings up the same topic. And in chapter 6, I didn't put verse 18, but verse 18 says, you need to flee from sexual immorality. This sexual thing has always been the issue. That people thought they could sleep with whomever and as many as and whatever and as long as it didn't matter as long as they showed up for church. He says, do you not know that your body, y'all's body, is a temple of the Spirit who is in you, who you've received from God? Don't you understand this? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Jesus on the cross. Therefore, honor God with your body. 
So it's a personal decision, but that personal decision, since we're all apart, it impacts all of us. So I'm gonna put a, a thing up on the screen. This is gonna be hard. It's gonna be very hard to read, but I want us to read it together, all right? Because I want you to hear yourself say this. You ready? It's not an affair. Say it with me. It's adultery. It's not casual sex. It's fornication. It's not gay love. It's sodomy. It's not veneration. It's idolatry. It's not pro-choice. It's murder. It's not exaggeration. It's lying. It's not concern. It's gossip. It's not just admiration. It's lust. Don't trivialize your sin. Repent of it and get right with God. That's what he's trying to convey, that you can't just sweep this stuff under the rug. You have to face it. But then the last part, and we're running out of time, is do not deceive yourself. You see, it's one thing to be deceived. How many of you have ever been lied to? All right, probably everybody. And we went to college and paid people to lie to us. We were lied to about all kinds of things. We got a lot of opinions, but a lot of what they were telling us wasn't true, especially when it came to our faith, when it comes to creation and evolution, when it comes to pro-life, when it comes to is the Bible the word of God? Was Jesus really Lord? Did Jesus really raise from the dead? Uh, and plus whatever, all kinds of crazy stuff. You'd look back and go, wow, that's not what they told me. It's one thing to be lied to by somebody else, but that's not what Paul says. Paul said, don't lie to yourself. Because how dumb are you if you set a trap for yourself and then you fall into it? You lie to yourself saying it's okay. I can live this way. I don't have to sell out to Jesus. It's not that important. Whether I really am faithful in my money, my time, my life, my sexuality, I can live however I want. Paul said, don't deceive yourself. Why, why would you do that? In fact, in, Mar in uh, Galatians, thank you, Galatians 6, 7, Paul says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So it's not like you're going to get, well, I, I didn't plant that. No, we get what we invest in. We get what we plant how we act, how we behave. And see, when, when you realize that you're the temple of God and you don't want to fool yourself, if I'm the temple of God, how does that impact my money? How does that impact how I treat my wife, my husband? How does that treat how I treat my mom? How does that impact how I treat my boss? It impacts everything because I'm the temple of God. Does that impact what I drink, what I eat, what I smoke, where I go? Yeah, it impacts everything if I'm God's temple. Now, I'll read this last one to you myself. Parents, one day, our children will stand before King Jesus, and he'll care little about their grades, batting averages, three-point percentages, yards per carry, popularity, college transcripts, or class rank. How are we investing in their souls? The one thing that God cares about. Now, here's what I know for sure. You cannot give away something you don't have. So it starts with you and me accepting Jesus. And dads, I'm going to squeeze you hard here. 75, if, if daddy is a believer in Christ and truly living it out, 75% chance your kids will follow Christ. If daddy 
is not, and that's not a statement against women, but if it's mom that's leading, 3%. It's almost like God said, dad, you're supposed to be the leader. So moms, dads, everybody needs to accept Christ, but you can't influence your children till you've let God influence you. 